This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, Stephen of He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing Mr. the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello again and welcome back to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Welcome, Thomas. G'day, Adam. How are we going? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Episode five, tiebreaker. The what? Tiebreaker. Tiebreaker? Yeah. Six all. Anyway, I feel like we're off track. Uh, Look, we're about... (laughs) Should we start again? (laughs) We're about midway through um, the introductory series that we're doing at the moment, so... That series is basically where Thomas helps me and hopefully helps you uh, understand the world of money and uh, what makes it tick. So what I want to know now this week, I want to focus in on we've got all those da- all that data, um, we've, got all our, we've got our dashboard. I want to kind of narrow it a little bit and think about how those things kind of affect the share market. So uh, a lot of people, especially if, they've, if they're finding us through the Equity Mates Investing Podcast, um, they're probably got a, a fairly uh, keen interest in in the markets and what moves the markets. And so I really wanted to try and um, unpick a little bit what uh, all these headline indicators mean for uh, broadly for the market and how they can kind of affect market prices. So I, I guess at a macro level, they're affecting the whole market. And then, you know, obviously there's going to be some individual implications for individual stocks. So how does that all work, Thomas? <laughs> yeah. So you, you want to know how to make money out of this Yeah, basically. Knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Had four, four episodes of theory. Now it's like, just show me the money. Should I sell Tesla or not? That's, what I, that's <laughs> ultimately what I think me and lots of other people would really like to know right now. Um, no, but well, I mean, so as we record now, uh, we're at the end of, end of December, for example. I've heard the term Santa rally being bandied around. Um, that mm. seems like a ridiculous concept that there's some somehow um, Santa Claus is going to bring wealth to people. But how, what's driving this sort of stuff? What, how does, what are the macroeconomic factors that are driving the, mark, the whole market to go up and down like, a, like an ocean? Ooh, okay, yeah, yeah. So the big, big questions there. I think, I think what we've got to do is we've got to pull it right back and just understand what a share actually is. Right. So the share is an ownership in a company, that's so. When you buy a share, you're buying a partial ownership of the company. You become effectively one of the owners of the company. I reckon people forget that. Like, you know, when I buy, I have some investments. I never think of myself as an owner. I just think mm. of myself as, I don't know, a bit like putting on a a chip on the table at the casino. <laughs> <laughs> I feel detached from it. Yeah. Even when they send like 
the company's annual report. <laughs> I'm like, just tell me what the share price is doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, most yeah, like at at your level, you know, where most people are at, they're not owners in a functional sense. They're not helping steer the steer the company, deciding policy or any things that the owners typically do. But probably for the best. I don't think I don't think Coles need to be asking me. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't an accident that you weren't given. <laughs> directorial control <laughs> of your West Farmers holdings. <laughs> yeah, they thought they saw they saw you coming. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be a fun way to buy shares if you had to sort of walk into like a committee meeting with the with the directors? <laughs> Please your case. Can I can I join up guys? Do you mind if I <laughs> got a lot to offer? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's important to think about it like the ownership of the company. And the reason that you start a company or you own a company is because it's going to make money and it's going to make you money. Um, and so that's sort of the fund- fundamental thing to remember and, and to keep coming. When, you think, when you're thinking about you know, what, are, what are stocks fundamentally worth. So if you could imagine a scenario where I'm starting a lemonade stand, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> go on. You picture it. Mm. Um, then I go to you and say, I need some money to buy a table. I'm gonna- and you go to me as who? As, the, as a shareholder? No, as 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 my brother, as just oh, the right. person. Yeah, <laughs> we've been through this already, haven't we? You were going to start. <laughs> you've, you've come asking for money before. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got I've got a prospectus now that I want you to have a quick flip through. <laughs> I remember that presentation you gave us on a boat. <laughs> oh yeah, it was a good idea. No, it was terrible. I'm certainly glad I didn't invest in your yeah batshit crazy idea. Yeah, so I, I, I want to raise some money for my lemonade stand. Right. Um, so I can go to you in two ways. I can say, look, I need 50 bucks to, to, to buy this table. I could do it sort of as debt. So I say, give me 50 bucks and I'll give you 55 bucks next month after I've sold a few lemonades. Um, yep. And that's just a commitment. And regardless of whether I sell lemonade or not, I'm gonna, I've committed to pay you that 55 bucks back. The other way I could do it is say, come on board and be an owner of this lemonade stand with me and I'll give you a share of the profits going forward. Mm. Um, so I've put in 50 bucks myself. So we'll go 50-50 in this lemonade stand and I'll give you 50% off the profits. So the first, the first example there, that's essentially going to the bank and saying, can I have a loan to start the mm-hmm. business? And then the other way of approaching it is to get people to buy into the company. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, yeah, so there's sort of there's sort of debt financing and equity financing. That's sort of the, what we're talking about there. So, yeah, you could go to a bank and ask to just borrow money on fixed terms, uh, on particular terms, but banks aren't the only place that you can do that. So companies will issue bonds, for example, that's debt financing. Right. Um, and, that, and, and so that works in a similar way. And it's just like, you know, if you're buying a bond, you say, I don't care what your outlook for profits are, I just want to know that I'm going to get the money that you tell me I'm going to get. Right. But if you're, buying, if you're buying in equity, if they're doing equity financing, you're buying a share of the company, you're buying a share of the profits and you're buying a share of the profits from now until eternity effectively, until for as long as the company's around. Mm. Your, your equity holding, your, your stake in the company entitles you to that share of profits. Right. So now if you, so for you to think about that, you know, is it worth you throwing in fifty dollars to to go into business with me? You need to think about well, what what how much do I value the future 
income and profit stream from this lemonade stand? Mm. Like what is that actually worth to me? What is, what is a 50% share of lemonade stand profits actually worth to me today? Right. And that's, that's, that's what we sort of call fundamental share valuation. That's what, what, we tr- what you're trying to figure out when you think what a, what a share is fundamentally worth. You're trying to think what is the future revenue stream worth today? What is a, you know, a share of that future revenue stream worth today? Mm. And there's a lot of lot of uncertainty there because you're talking about a future, potentially infinite future. And so there's a lot of uncertainty about, you know, how much is you're actually going to sell, what's the outlook for the lemonade industry, all these sort of things. So it becomes a lot of uncertainty starts packing into that picture. But, you know, very smart people spend a lot of time trying to sort of get a handle on this, calculate it, what's market share, what's market growth, all these sort of things. What's, you know, what's the company's potential? And you try steal that down, and then you figure out, okay, I think, you, you know, that's this is what how much money the company's going to make, and so that's what it's worth today. A share of that is worth today. Right. Um, terrible investment, lemonade, by the way. Sugary drinks are on the out. Coca Cola's struggling. <laughs> hey, I'm finger on the pulse over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lemonade, though, high in vitamin C. You know. <laughs> Homemade lemonade too. Yeah. So that's yeah. You know. Bespoke small batch. Yeah. <laughs> Craft lemonade. We're <laughs> talking here. <laughs> it's probably how it all got started though, and then before you know it, you're yeah. mass producing and you've sold out mm. just to please your shareholders. It's a nice little <laughs> just to wrap that up. <laughs> okay. So yeah. so now we understand what a what a share price or how a share price is kind of calculated. We can understand. You know, I guess you've talked a bit about what the what goes into working out from a, an investor's point of view, what goes into working out what a, a fair price is for the lemonade stand. So mm-hmm. you know, that, they're all those factors that you mentioned before, aren't they? So we're talking mm-hmm. um, like if I'm if I'm doing a I don't know what do you call it, an evaluation on a company as to whether mm-hmm. or not I want to invest. Um, what are the key things I'm looking at? Uh I don't know that we want to go there in this episode. There's, there's quite a bit. There's, you know, you're thinking about like, yeah. Okay, you can of... just say you don't know. That's fine. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, this, this, that's, that's not economics 101. You know, like at university, you know, that's second year, third year sort of stuff. I'm very it's, advanced. It's, I'm... <laughs> you are very advanced. You're a very quick learner. Very quick learner. They're looking at me and say, "How do I know all this stuff?" I was like, "Maybe I'm a natural." <laughs> uh, um, it's the outlook for the market. It's the yeah. potential for the market itself. How much the market's going to grow? Then it's the potential of the company. So then it's like, you know, how much debt do they have? How much available cash flow? Uh, what's their management team like? Mm. Um, yeah, there's, there's quite a range of factors, and it's a bit of an art. They're like, you know, there's sort of a lot of agreed terms. That's why they, you know you have so many sort of interesting ratios that people talk about like earnings per share or these sort of things because it's like you're trying to get a picture of it and there's a sort of a common language in in, in stock evaluation but um, there's a, there's an art to it as well. Yeah. So I guess we're really focused on the the macroeconomic space uh, mm-hmm. in the podcast. You know, if, if you want to know more about investing, I'd strongly encourage you again to head over to uh, Equity Mates Investing Podcast where I think they've probably covered most of this stuff already. I should probably tune into their uh, their introductory <laughs> series <laughs> at some stage. But I thought I'd skip that and I'd go straight to hosting my own podcast talking about macroeconomics. Um, 
So to me, like, I mentioned the Santa rally before and even in the lead-up to the election, there people were talking about kind of patterns and repeatable patterns that happen in the market that kind of that lift the whole market. So this, this market is made up of tons of individual companies, right? And there's these events that can happen that can either lift the whole market, we talk about the whole market going up, or we talk about the whole market going down. And that seems to be almost like an agreed trajectory of, of, of stuff based on, based on what? Like what's happening that means the market as a whole goes up and the market go, as a whole goes down? Hang on, I'm just, um, there's a plane going overhead. Mm, it's okay. If you don't know, it's. <laughs> I'm not sure what we're. I'm not sure what we're doing here. Like I've got all these questions. <laughs> You're supposed to be the expert, and all I'm getting is excuses. I'm getting that's not what we're here to talk about. I'm getting now. There's a plane flying above my head. <laughs> we talked about UFC last week. Maybe we should just talk more about UFC. I don't know. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> We've wasted your time. We've just got. We've found out Thomas is a complete fraud. <laughs> okay. All right, no, it's okay. No, it's a good question. Let me, let me pick it up. <laughs> so the markets, markets moving yeah. up and down as a whole, uh, why? You can kind of think about, the way I kind of think about it, there's sort of three layers to it. So the first is this sort of the fundamental layer, like what is it, what is it fundamentally worth? And there's sort of like in theory there's, there's a fundamental, there's a true value of the company that exists in theory that you never really understand because the future is always unknowable. Right. You then have expectations start to come into it. So you could imagine, say, if there were you – didn't, you didn't go $50 in, you were just threw in 25 I sold $25 worth of shares to Bob um, and he's, so he's the other shareholder now. Now you might have some – you and Bob might have different expectations about what the outlook for my lemonade stand is mm. and that would affect how much you're willing to pay for a share. So you might get wind that, you know, I've been stealing Mr. Johnson's lemons and he's set up. I love that we're running with this analogy so far. (laughs) (laughs) Stealing Mr. Johnson's lemons. My mate Bob's coming to it. (laughs) Well, I mean. That's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we're just building it up. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's true for what's true for a lemonade stand is true for West Farmers. Right. You know, just at a different scale. Yep. You know, so you, you might have this insight that like, oh, Thomas is about to get squeezed on his supply. He's going <laughs> to... Poor Zing. Pardon the <laughs> pun. <laughs> yeah, it was all just contrived just to bring that pun in. We can, we can move on from lemonade stands now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've got supply issues coming up. Mm. It's gonna, I'm going to struggle to be able to keep bringing enough lemonade to the market. Yep. And so you might be like, ah, this, this isn't worth as much as it is. And if Bob doesn't know that, you might be like, I'm going to sell my share to Bob now because he's not aware of that. He thinks it's worth more than the share is actually worth. Mm. And so that's, that's why, like, you, you know, it's, you, you're looking for that sort of knowledge um, advantage in a, in a share. You look, what, what do you know about a share that, that no one else does? So, for example, if you're, you know, working in retail or something and people are just coming in handing over money hand over fist and you think, wow, this stuff's really booming, no one else knows this, then you, that might give you an insight into the value of, of that retail chain that you're working with that no one else has and you, you might understand that the value is actually higher than what everyone actually thinks it is. Yeah. And 
that's sort of the, the key point is it's, it's what the current share price reflects what everyone thinks. So it's sort of like what everyone collectively thinks. And so if that collective mood shifts, if people start thinking something different, then the share price can shift. Even if nothing fundamentally has changed, um, if people just start thinking about that company differently or the market differently, but let's, let's keep it with companies. So they just think, start thinking about the company differently, then that, that can shift the share price. And so, so there's sort of like the fundamental and then there's sort of like the expectations and, the, and the, the view, the opinions that people have about the company and the company's outlook. Right. And then, and then so because you didn't really answer my question, um, which well, was, was about getting, that. <laughs> well, no, you tell me you're getting there and I've, <laughs> I've, got, I've got things I need to be doing. Um, so we, so are you going to, I guess, are you going to say that you can just kind of extrapolate that out across the whole market and say there's a general mood for a particular stock there are a lot of other factors at play, even though the fundamentals aren't changing for a stock, but maybe there's, you know, collectively there's emotions that are driving the whole market, you know, like, so say a, a, an event, you know, like COVID-19 where um, that, that changes everything and the market kind of crashes as a whole because collectively across all the companies, everyone's like, uh, I don't know what this means. I'm going to take my money out. I'm going to sell just to kind of, protect my money or whatever and so that those events obviously drive the whole market and, and I guess that's mm. kind of what I'm interested in like yeah I mean at one level like there there isn't really a market like that doesn't what? really exist <laughs> <laughs> dropping truth <bomb. laughs> no I mean yeah. like yeah don't the, tell I me mean, the you, Santa rally's not real yeah <laughs> No, I mean, like, so the ASX 200, you know, is an indice of the the biggest 200 companies on the Australian stock market. Mm. Um, But it it aggregates, it collects together those 200 companies. And so there isn't really a market as a single entity. There's 200 companies that, when you average them out, move in a particular way. Right, so it's just law of averages. So, yeah, I mean, because the companies are going to perform, I guess the thing I'm struggling to understand, um, Mm. one of many, is... The companies are all independent entities, right? You say that they're mm. a collective of independent companies and mm-hmm. people are buying and selling these companies based on their own opinions of these companies. Yet mm-hmm. when it's reported in the news and it, um, and the media, you see the share market is down today because of mm. some because of X. And mm-hmm. so so that's not that's not independent companies kind of doing anything necessarily. That's confidence or risk or something that people are just like, ah, um, we're not going to be able to sell coal to China anymore. So I'm going to sell, you know, coal companies. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that level of analysis is a little bit dangerous and it, it's good to sort of separate yourself from that. You know, like to, to say, you know, the market rallied on a fall in the Aussie dollar or something like that. Hmm. It's, you know, it's sort of true, but like it, it's it's using way too broad a brush to talk about 200 companies because there's two those 200 companies in the ASX 200. You know, they're across huge, very different sectors. There's sort of resources, there's mm. retail, there's all, all sorts of things. So it's very unlikely that they move exactly the same way for exactly the same reasons. So it's very it's convenient to tell a story that this thing happened and the market responded in a particular way. But it's 
not actually true. That that hasn't really happened, or it's unlikely that it's happened like that. You know, and so if if, if the ASX went up two percent or something, it's quite probable that within that there were companies. Some of them went up eight, ten percent. Some of them fell five, six percent or something. I mean, maybe not that kind of range with with large companies in the ASX two hundred, but you know, there's a there's a diversity of experience within that broad indice. Right. So yeah. So I think to be as you become a savvier investor, you need to look past that story and go to story and not really believe stories that say the market did this because this because one there isn't really a market and two one thing doesn't affect all companies and the outlook for all companies the same way. Uh, respectfully disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Only because like. For me, right? I'm typically I'm not I'm not much of a stock picker. You know, I try and every mm. now and then, but you know, I've got things like Super, um, which is invested in you know broad kind of um, you know it might be like international shares or um, Australian shares or Australian property or whatever it is. And so there's these investments that are tied up in in those big themes and so for me like as a stock picker i get what you're saying like don't worry about too much what's happening with the asx if you're interested in um, buying csl or something but um but as someone who is kind of i guess risk averse maybe if that's the right way of framing it um or you're in you, you've got investments in bigger things like superannuation and stuff um you are interested in what the whole market does and what maybe is driving the market and maybe if you are um you know I was way too active in superannuation changing options <laughs> during COVID. I was like flicking around. Like I don't know if anyone's ever tried to time the market using a two-and-a-half-day delay, but it's just <laughs> don't try it. I mean, you know, not investment advice, um, but I didn't have success, put it that way. But you are interested in, in what drives the whole market, the whole, you know, if you're investing in, say, the ASX 200 ETFs or... Um, I don't know, the NASDAQ ETFs or whatever it is. Um. Yeah. But, but I'm sort of saying there, there isn't a whole market. Like there is there is factors like COVID or mm. money printing or these sort of things that will affect every company in the market in broadly a similar way. Yeah. But that's what the market is, is what happens collectively to those 200 or whatever mm. things are in the market, you know, or whatever you're talking about. And it's... Yeah, as much as possible, you want to think at, at, at the company level because that's really what a, what share prices are. We're talking about the the value of a company. People forget too, or I certainly do, that there's always someone. If you want to buy into a company, there's always someone selling in that company. Like you can't. Mm. I mean, unless the company's like just made some more shares um, mm. to to do whatever that does. What does that do? Capital raising or whatever. Yeah, like there's always someone. Like so, I guess the the sentiment is you know. Is large, largely to blame. So you know, if you get more people selling and than there is buying, then that pushes the whole market down. And maybe people are all selling because I don't know. Maybe you know, they th- they think someone's going to win an election or something. Yeah, it's it's often it's it's often hard to know. You know, it's easy to tell stories about what what's driving the market, but it's you know, if it was if it was that simple, then it would be much easier to get ahead of. <laughs> okay, why don't we why don't we pause and take a quick break? Um, we'll go grab a quick word from our sponsors and we'll be right back after this with more of Thomas's thoughts on or whatever he was talking about. 
right. <laughs> See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Comedian vs. Economist. We are talking the share market and what kind of factors influence the prices in the share market for individual companies and the share market as a whole. Thomas, we're talking about prices in the market. And I'm curious to unpick a little bit more how you work out what a fair price is for a particular stock. How do you um, how do you think about a company in terms of you know is it is it going to is it going, is your share price going to going to go up and you know what do you kind of how how you work out the expectations for a company. With, yeah, with that, it's, so, so you can sort of think about what the outlook for the company is. So if you have some insight into the company, like saying if you if you if you're buying because you think a, a share price is going to go up. Then you're saying you've got some insight into what the company's doing or how it's running or what its market's doing. That means that you think it's going to perform better than people think. Mm. Um, and, that, and that's the key point. It's better than people think. So it's not just that it's going to make money or it's going to make really good money. Right. Because it, the fact that it's going to make really good money over the next year or two might already be factored in. People might already understand that and that might already be priced into the yeah, to the okay. price of the company into the share value. So if, if you take a company like one of the big fang stocks like Apple or mm. Facebook or whatever, mm-hmm. um, we know they're going to make tons of money, right? That's that's almost mm. that's guaranteed. Um, but that's not necessarily going to result in an increasing share price. Mm-hmm. That's right, that's right. So yeah, the share price, theoretically at least, should go up if they make more money than people think they're going to make. And that's, so that's the key thing. So it's not just, you're not just looking at a company going like, oh, yeah, that company is going to make a lot of money. The question is, is that company going to make more money than people currently think it, it's going to? Right. If the answer to that is yes, then you think, yep, I'm going to, I can buy that and it's going to make more money than people think. And that when, when people catch up to that reality, then the share price will go up. Mm. And that, as I said, there's a lot of there's an art to that. There's no guarantees in that, and a lot of a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to answer that question and, and figure out, you know, how much money a company's going to make, and then is it underpriced or overpriced? And if you're buying a stock, there's at least one other person in the market who thinks the exact opposite of you. So if they're selling a stock, they think it's overpriced. Yeah. And if you're buying, you think you think it's underpriced. So you're sort of taking a bet with each other, effectively. And you're sort of betting your knowledge against their knowledge or your insight against their insight. I didn't <laughs> I was not aware of this bet when I bought stocks. 
had I known I was pitting my stock knowledge against someone else, I could almost certainly guarantee that that other person <laughs> had more information than I did. And I, yeah, I guess that's, yeah, as I talked about, that's why things like, um, you know, ETFs and indexes are kind of more attractive if you don't know what you're doing, especially, which is my case. If you're not confident, it's a good place to start. Mm. There's still insights available to people that you can get an insight that you think is not priced into the, the com- current company's current value that you can you can trade on. So if you do get that insight, but that's what you're looking for. You're looking for an insight that you think that, that people don't have or that people are misreading in a particular way. Yeah, and so if we think back to our economics textbook that we now have, which is uh, activity and prices, so how do we kind of apply what we know about activity and prices to the stock price of a, a company? Yeah, so, so on, the, on the activity side, so most companies' revenue and profit will key off activity. So the more economic activity there is going on, the more money they're going to make. Mm. And so what's sort of key here is because, you know, the outlook for activity is also forecasted and projected and, and therefore factored into the current share price. So what you're interested in is, is it going to come in at more than people currently think? Yep. You know, is it, are we going to get a surprise to the upside or a surprise to the downside? And so in the financial media, often what you hear of is hear things like GDP came in at 0.8% in the quarter, which was well above expectations. Mm. Because we really care about those expectations because it's those expectations that are influencing share prices. And so if you get, a, if you get an upside surprise... Whee, um, sounds so fun. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I'd like an upside surprise, please. <laughs> yeah, it comes in a little egg. <laughs> yeah, if you, get, if you get an upside surprise and then that can boost share prices because the outlook changes. Like, oh, actually, these companies are going to make more money than we thought because yeah. activity is hotter than we thought it was. And you can, you can get an insight into that again. Like so if you're working retail and it's just churning, you think like, wow, this activity is going to be a lot, lot stronger than what, it, what people are thinking it's going to be. Yeah, you, you might be able to trade on that. Right. And when we talk so, about prices, then we're just talking about the price that the companies are buying their product at or selling it at or those kinds of things. How, the, was interest rate part of prices? So whether the company's borrowing money and what's happening with interest rates, is that, that, that's, that's the prices yeah. side of the equation? On the prices side, yeah, that's a little more sophisticated in the terms of like, so the, the interest okay, rates are going to affect. It. <laughs> talk <laughs> nerdy to me. The truth. <laughs> Yeah, so it's going to affect their cost of capital. Um, interest rates are also going to affect the economic outlook. So if interest rates start rising, for example, that's going to sort of put a handbrake on activity. Right. That might come as a surprise to the market. So it's going to, that creates a downside surprise. That also ha- exists. <laughs> oh, I yeah. don't like downside surprises. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so cool. Mm. So I think we, we probably need to wrap it up um, just about there. But I did mention, I mentioned at the start of the show, that the Santa rally was a, is about to happen. Mm. And I'm just... That concept just kind of um, makes my head spin a little bit that this is somehow a repeatable event that always happens at Christmas time that stock prices go up as part of the Santa rally. Um, great name for it, by the way. Well done, mm. economists, on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Not you, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, real proper economists that came up with the name. It was probably the media. It wasn't even economists. No, yeah. We wouldn't have called it that. No. <laughs> we would have called it fourth quarter 
unexpected deviation from trend. <laughs> and, and that's why we have marketing departments. Um, yeah. But I don't get how these could be repeatable events. Like how can we if, – if, if we know that there's going to be a Santa rally every year, for example, why don't we just hold off buying anything until, uh, what, October and then mm. jump in? Ride that ride Santa and his sleigh all the way to <laughs> all the way to Cash Town. <laughs> yeah, stock markets are quite frustrating for economists. Um, <laughs> they do do things like this. Yeah, there's an idea called efficient markets hypothesis, mm. um, and this is the idea that things like this shouldn't exist. That if if you knew that in every December the share market went up people would trade on that knowledge mm. and trade away the opportunity. And so, yeah, so th- and that's the efficient market hypothesis. Money just doesn't sit around for long. And yet, because so much of the, of the sh- share prices are built on expectations, as I was saying, so there's the fair value, but there's also so much about expectations. And with expectations comes moods and comes herd behaviour and mm. reinforcing, um, you know, groupthink all these other factors that are really hard to quantify and understand, then you can get phenomena like the Santa Claus rally. So it's peer pressure, that's what you're saying? Peer pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go on, right. buy some Go stocks. <laughs> uh, well, people, yeah, people like to spend at Christmas time, don't they too? You know, everyone gets a bit cheery, gets a bit loose. Yeah, yeah that's right, they're all just drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it might, it might, there was no, that was also considered as a name, but the drunken rally wasn't <laughs> wasn't as palatable to the media as the Santa rally. So, mm. all right, I reckon we yeah. should I reckon we should mm. leave it there. Um, thanks again for your insights. Um, yeah, been a been a fun one. So, uh, hope you're enjoying the show. That's it for this week. Um, we would of course love to hear from you. So, if you've got questions for Thomas, uh, questions for me, even. You can email us at uh, cve at equitymates.com or you can check out the new website hosted by our good friends at Equitymates uh, at equitymates.com forward slash cve. Uh, and yeah, if you like what you heard on the show uh, or like what you're hearing on all the shows, um, be sure to tell your friends. If you didn't like it, then maybe tell someone you don't like because it still counts towards our stats. So um, yeah, whatever you do, be sure to uh, leave us a, a rating, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And we look forward to talking more macroeconomics <laughs> next week. All right, take it easy. This podcast is a production of Equity Mates Media. Any views expressed by the podcast hosts or any guest are their own and do not represent the views of Equity Mates Media or any other employer or associated organisation. Always remember, all information contained in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, financial, legal or tax advice. The hosts of this podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to our disclaimer page where you can find resources to search for a registered financial professional. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.